This is National City Councilman Dr. Gonzalo Jesus Quintero reminding you to vote this year. You don't have to vote for me, but please vote. And regardless of what the president says, don't vote twice. Vote by mail or vote by person on Tuesday, November 3rd. You're listening to the Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Emo Brown Podcast, brought to you by the wonderful people of the Balboa Avenue Dispensary and our Lolita's Taco Shop. Today we have a very special guest, a very special guest that is running for a very special position available here in Chula Vista. We have Miss Lucy. Miss Lucy, por favor, your full name and what you're running for in the upcoming election. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Lucy Ugarte, and I'm running for Chula Vista Elementary School Board, seat number two. Seat number two. That anytime I always see like uh, like billboards or, or or like garden yard signs, it says like seat three, seat four. So how many seats are in this? Are up for election in this one? We have two seats open right now: seat two and seat four. Seat two and seat four, and this is for the Chula Vista School Board. Yes, near and dear to my heart because I have two little dudes that are in the Chula Vista Elementary uh, District now. They're at Kellogg, and I'm assuming that's part of the, the umbrella that is encompassed by this school board. Yes. So I have, a, uh, I have a third grader, I have a first grader, and I have a preschooler that just started. Oh, man, and the preschooler with distance learning, that's not working. A preschooler and distance learning, that, that, that just like a square peg in a round hole. It's, it's, it's not working out with him right now. <laughs> He's a headache. And it's like, ah, and that's another thing. I feel bad because now with school, with distance learning, we'll, we'll touch in on that. It's, um, I understand the grief and, and, and the stresses that a teacher goes through on a day-to-day basis with uh, all of these. And we're just dealing with our children. You guys are dealing with everybody else's children. Right. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where are you from? How did you get involved in, what made you decide to get involved in being a professor, a teacher? Um, are you local to San Diego? So I grew up in um, in Cano, in the area of Emerald Hills, and I um, went to uh, Encano Elementary, and then I went to Pershing Junior High. I went to Patrick Henry for a year, and I transferred to San Diego High. And when I moved to San Diego High, I think I found my home. Um, everybody there was welcoming. I'm still friends with um, all of my friends from high school then, and that was quite a while ago. I um, moved to Barrio Logan, and I lived there until I graduated from college. And at that time, I already had two small children. And I moved to Chula Vista about 25 years ago. I decided that I wanted to raise my family here, and I love it, and it's home. It's a great place to raise a family. Right. The west side more than the east side. <laughs> yeah. We've talked to Caesar about that before. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I feel like, it, I don't know, it's more of a family dynamic out here on the west side in Chula Vista. On the east side, it's everybody, it's, it's like, 
they have their cookie cutter homes. You go in, you come out, you really don't like mingle with your neighbors very much. Everybody has their, uh, their itinerary, their routine, which is cool. We all have it, the nine to fives or whatever schedule you currently have. But here on the West side, I almost feel like it's like there's yards. And when there's a yard, I feel people are just a little bit more like, Hey, hi neighbor. How you doing? You know, like I see this guy up and down the block every now and then this guy being Caesar Caesar again. Thank you, Mr. Fernandez for bringing, uh, joining me with Miss Lucy to have this open conversation and, before mm-hmm. we go any further, again, this is uh, an open format to anybody involved uh, in the election of the school board, Chula Vista School Board. So if anybody else is involved going for seat number four, by all means, <laughs> if you feel like coming in and getting getting some of your views off your chest or, you know, just wanted to tell us what you're all about, by all means, open format, reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to bring you in. So you are a teacher. Yes. For over two decades. Yes. All local, all South Bay. All at the same school, pretty much. And I, I know this. Chula, well, I'm sorry, Benita Middle. Yes. I Once a, once upon a time, I was, what was the mascot at the Benita Middle? Yes, I'm going to be low. I know it was a Baron and the Crusader. Ah, oh, Crusader, yes. I was a Benita Vista Middle Crusader. My memorable teacher there was Mr. Fick. Fickett. Mr. Fickett. Is MR was where BB been half has had do does did shall will should would me my my can would what was it the prepositional right those things there's certain things that in, in, in a young student's life that stick that stuck that and his uh <laughs> there's two people in this kind of life the people who own the hotels and the people who clean the hotels Stephen which one are you gonna be and I was like man. <laughs> I could be the one who cleans it. That's fine. <laughs> that's an honorable <laughs> job. You know, the benefits one day I'm going to need them for a family. But those, he told me that, bro. He told me that Mr. Fickett, I don't know where he's about, but he, he, he's, <laughs> he's retired. But um, my older two kids who were 32 and 30 had him and they still have Mr. Fickett stories, like fond stories of, you know, go wear dark clothing and play on the freeway kind of thing. Yeah. Hey, that's him. <laughs> hey, that's, <laughs> that's the Mr. Fickett I'm talking about. Right. So you were at, you are at Benita Vista Middle. This whole time. Right. Is that um is that rare in the educational process of becoming a teacher, staying in the same school? I think it's 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 not as common as it used to be, but there still are um there are probably a handful of us at each site that do that. We stay at one site and we don't we don't move. Um and it's nice because people move around us, right? Uh-huh. So we meet a lot of people who are um moving from site to site. I've done I've worked at other sites, I've taught at other sites. Um I did credit recovery for a year at Sweetwater High. Um I've worked at Bonita High summer school, done um outreach. And when I first started, I was at every middle school in the district that um, actually existed at that time. And that was prior to Rancho Del Rey and any of the East Side schools. So now present day, obviously, it's a whole different ballgame. There's everyone is out of school. Currently, school season is in session. Um, How has distance learning been working out for you, one, being a teacher and your colleagues and and as a parent like how has this been working out like we have our stories i have my personal experiences but i want to hear from somebody who's in the in the the eye of the storm you know you're from the inside looking out and from the outside looking in Right. I'm, I'm really honest about it. When people ask me, I, I let them know it's, um, it's kicking my butt. It's like being a brand new teacher for the very first time. Um, I talk to my colleagues. We're working 12 to 16 hour days. Oh I, I tell myself I'm going to turn my computer off at seven o'clock and stop grading, stop answering emails. And then you get one more email and you want to help that student out. So you end up staying on till like nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock. Um, so it is, it's very difficult on our side. Um, 
in the secondary level, we have a contact um, of 176 students. If we're a regular classroom teacher, our PE teachers are in the 200s. So that's how many contacts we can essentially have in a day. You wake up and you have 100 emails oh. and you think you're done from the night before and, and you're not. So so it is, um, it's a, it's difficult. We, we keep in mind that the kids have, you know, uh, a very difficult time. One of the things I do every day um, when I get online with the kids is I tell them how amazing they are, how incredible they are for just being there. Because think about it. If I was, you know, 12, 13 years old and had to get up and get online, I I don't know how motivated I would be to do that. So so just the fact that they're there, I, I remind them that, you know, we're all going through this. It's new for all of us. And we don't have like a, a playbook on how to do it. But just the fact that they're they're there and they care enough to to want to interact with you or at least hear you, right? That, that they're doing a good job. So it's it's hard for everybody. I get that aspect when you said there's no playbook. There legitimately is no playbook for handling this and, and, and where we are currently. Um, I feel bad for my wife. I feel, I feel bad for the parent that has to stay home if it's a one person working or if it's two, if both parents are currently working and there's uh, distance learning going on, that's crazy. I I, I don't thought, even know how that would happen. <laughs> I, I tried it out. Um, my kids are grown. They're in their 20s and 30s. And my um, brother, my my mom had um, is watching his daughters, and she couldn't do that for a couple of weeks. So I said, hey, bring them to my house. I'll watch them two days a week. And they're three and eight. And I thought, oh, well, at least on those days, I have at least one period where I'm free. And then my schedule changed. So it was difficult. And I really got a firsthand look at how... You can't turn away from a three-year-old, right? We all know that for even a second and, you know, came back and, you know, total destruction or you have to leave the kids and, and try to hope that they don't, you know, do anything. And you're like, I can't leave them, right? I'm not supposed to leave them, but you've got a three-year-old running around. So so I I feel for those teachers that are, are doing the double duty of having to teach their own kids while they're home and, and having to teach their students at the same time, because it, it was incredible. I was energy wise at the end of the day, I was done. I was done. I see it firsthand because obviously my, we, we have three kids now. I was telling you earlier, um, I have an eight year old, I have a six year old and I have a three year old and the three year old just started his preschool online. <laughs> and we, we have a family friend that we brought in and she looks after our three year old while my wifey looks after the third grader and the first grader because they start at, I believe, 8.30 in the morning. And then I get home from work around 10.30 to 11. And we're going until 2 or 3. And it seems like there's a list of like, th this This is what we need to get done. These are the, the tasks that are required. Okay, we need to do reading time. We need to do numbers. We need to work these problems out. We need to write things out. We need to draw this. And by the time we know it, it's 3 o'clock. And then if one of the, one of the kids, <laughs> he likes to draw everything out long. So when we look, it's like four or five. I'm like, oh my God. And my wife, her, her look is just like, she's stressed out. I'm looking at her, she's like, I can't, this, this can't be every day with him like this. So I started helping more with him when I get out of work and we're getting a process in place, but this is a crazy time. 
Really, it is. There's no, no, you know, no administrator has ever had to with any training in this. Teachers haven't had any training in this. Um, like I said, all all of us that I've talked to, and I talk to a lot of teachers pretty much on a daily basis, say we feel like we're in our very first year of teaching where we didn't know what to do and we didn't know how to how to go about it, and we're doing like the best we can. And and that's what I believe. I believe whether you're the parent, the student, the teacher, the administrator, I think everybody's doing the best they can with what they have and and just hopefully I will have grace and flexibility with each other right that we we go okay yeah we're all we're kind of going through this a little bit at a time together though we're creatures of habit you know adults we, we we're in a routine kids they're in the routine just humans in general we're very 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 uh we're social but we're creatures of habit I know how it is here operating a business and having to open up again and letting people come in and they're kind of like um they're getting reacquainted with being out in public again. How has the parent feedback been from the teacher's perspective? Are parents being understanding? Are they being demanding? Nobody's listening. This is your time to get it all off of your chest. <laughs> I, I, I have an idea just by how they act here at the brewery specifically. I can only imagine what parents are acting like in an email and a video conference call. It's it. It's a little bit of everything, right? You have the parents that are really supportive, who understand, who, who get it, who have been home probably the entire time yeah. with their, with their kids. You also have the parents who do want to go back, um, who cite their students' mental health, who, you know, they give us various reasons and, and it's understandable. Um, and I do, I'm, I'm really a patient person and I, I deal with a lot of, uh, negativity in, the aspect of school, not just with, you know, parents, not, of course, that's the least of it. But so when a parent does um, come across as wanting, you know, being a little bit negative, I, I tend to, to turn that into a positive and say, you know, you know, when we go back, it's not going to be the same. It, it, you know, I think people who want to go back right now are thinking that it's going to go back to the way that it was before and talk about traumatic it's that could be in itself a new trauma. Yes. Yeah. Are we as Chula Vista ready to have our kids go back to school? Well, it depends on if we say ready, like what, what actually do we mean by ready? I've been uh, working this whole summer with um, all of the teachers unions in the South Bay from national city, uh, Chula Vista, all the way down to um, South Bay unified on a safe reopening plan and, and what that means. And so it, it first has involved listening to teachers and what, what they feel, um, what they're going to feel comfortable with because the overwhelming message is that teachers really, they, they are concerned about their health, but for first and foremost, they're concerned about giving if they had covid or they were mm. they uh, non-symptomatic passing that on to a student who might take it Turn home and home. and bring that home and they would feel awful so so yeah they do care about themselves and they care about their own families definitely but the overwhelming um feeling that i'm getting is how terrible they would feel if they knew that they were the reason that someone's family contracted covid and on the flip side i feel like Parents are because I, I just saw the uh, an article earlier. earlier uh, I was reading um parents are up in arms. They want their kids back in school. Get them off of my hands. We want the teachers to be in charge. And I I I, I see why they would want to do it. I see both sides. I see the selfish side. It's like I can't take care of my kid. I'm incapable of looking after my kid and making sure that he's learning. Or it, 
I, I get that. But then I also get the aspect that's like, there's somebody better suited to help my child develop in these areas, you know? It's a crazy time. It is. And, I, I just don't, <laughs> there's poor, no right or wrong. Poor teachers, I say we're on the front lines because you talk about that. And and I, I do hear from the community that there are groups of parents that want to go back. And and again, it's it's a matter of, you know, they, they want their kids to have their mental health, their socialization. I just don't think that they understand what that is going to look like when, when we do return. Um, I think that... Uh, the, the negative aspect is, is just what it, it's just frustration because you, when you don't know what to do, you get frustrated, right? And, and, and they, they sometimes, you know, they're in a situation where they're not thinking. I think a lot of times they don't think of teachers as people with the same kinds of That's struggles so and challenges yeah. that, that they are having. Um, they, because, you know, they think, well, the teacher knows what they're doing. Like you said, they know, um, they know the curriculum, they can do this better. Um, and, and they, sometimes I hear that message that we don't want to go back. And quite honestly, every, every educator I've talked to wants to go back, but they don't want to go back if they're going to put anybody in danger. That's that's the bottom line. And it's easier. Honestly, for me, it would be I've taught for 25 years. It would be so much easier to be in the classroom in front of students than doing the distance learning that we're doing. That's your routine. That's what you know. That's what you're accustomed to. That's what your colleagues are accustomed to. There's a certain dynamic. Kids come to you. You sit in the chair and the teaching commences here. It's like everyone's at home. You're looking over at a laptop. There's a lag time. Sometimes the camera's not working for one out of nine students or how many students are currently involved. There's just too many things that can go wrong at one time. And then I just feel like that, that like in anything else, when there's, when there's a nice little flow and even flow of things, things work perfectly. It's like, ah, no problem. But when there's hiccups and there's things that we're not used to and then obstacles that we're not used to like it, uh, encountering and ta tackling, it's, it just throws your whole system out of whack. And that's what I see a lot of going on right now. Like mm -hmm. I'll just kind of like peer over the my kid's shoulder and look at, at what's going on. I'm like, oh, man, from the teacher's perspective, looking at these cameras. I can only imagine how some of these are not right. going to be ending well. And and you try to help a student, like something that would take maybe five minutes in the class. You say, hang back after class. I'll help you with this. And and one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, it could take five minutes. And I'm, I'm finding that I ask kids to hang back online and to help them. And it takes probably 20, 25 minutes. Oh. So, so something that's, because you have to think in a different way. You have to think about how to help them almost like in a blind fashion, because you can't like the kids don't turn their cameras on and which is fine. And you, but it's just an adjustment on my part. I have to think of, okay, how can I help them without seeing what it is? And, and the kids don't often describe things in detail you know, Mr. Garte, I'm having a hard time turning that assignment in. Okay, sweet. What assignment? You know, that one from a few weeks ago. And you're like, okay, could you be a little more specific? Yeah, you know, yeah you have the one to about ask, the thing. <laughs> yeah, you have to ask them really direct questions to get them where you need to be to help them. And and so it does. It's, it's a lot longer. Um, things that, like I said, could take two or three minutes, take 10, 20 minutes. I feel this is important for people to listen to because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, we're all parents, you know, it's like, I'm in my forties. I know a lot of the people that the general demographic, it's like they're in their early thirties and however old they are at this point, it's like, we're all parents. We all are kind of going through this. So it's, it's, it's awesome for them to hear what they need to understand. It's like, Hey, I'm a teacher. This is what's going on. I don't have all the answers. I don't have this ironed out smoothly. 
these are the 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 dramas that we're encountering. I'm a, I'm waking up to 200 plus emails every day. I can't get to all of them. There are certain dramas that I can't touch. You know, like a five minute conversation in in in, in good old BC before Corona is now <laughs> a 25 minute conversation online. And the ultimate, I'm the the final call. It may not even. I may not get my message across in 25 minutes. Right. You know, one of the silver linings to this, at least for us, our first grader, um, he, <laughs> this was kind of a blessing in disguise, the, the one-on-one teaching, because he, he, he's reluctant to, to learn things sometimes. He's, he's extremely smart, but he's a lot like me. He's just, if we lose interest. Right. And if I lose interest, it's going to be very difficult for you to, to capture my interest all over again. Cause every second that goes by, there's a brick building in front of me and then, by 10 minutes later, there's a wall and good luck breaking that wall down and getting me to engage again. But with this little guy, we sat down with them one-on-one before um, distance learning even commenced. And and wifey was very patient with him. And he's, these are your sight words and we need to get your sight words done. And did it. So now he knows the sight words. You got to learn to count to 120. You have to write one to 120. So now it's like a struggle and a timer and this. And I just see his eyes. He gets that little glazed over look like, oh, I'm so over this. But working one-on-one with them, my wife specifically, has helped them. So I feel like maybe this break, because they never really took a break. My mm-hmm. wife stayed on them. And we felt the same way. If we kind of ease up on the gas pedal, I know that it'll be very, that, that the brick will start building a wall in front of him and it'll be very difficult to get him reengaged. So we just never stopped. So these kids now, especially him, whew, I feel better. And even now I'm like, we do a homework with him. It's like, Oh my God, come on, guy. It's on. Pay attention. Six ducks plus three ducks. How many total ducks? <laughs> How many ducks? Draw me the circles, <laughs> count the circles. And so now I feel like, all right, we're, we're, we're breaking that barrier, but this break in not going to school, I feel like has helped them a lot. Right. And and it's, you know, like I said, it's it's not that teachers don't understand or are minimizing the parent or the student um, challenge as well. It's it's that understanding and being aware that we all have our challenges in our roles. And I, I, I know, like in the classroom, we're told, you know, best practices to teaching is you don't teach for talk for 20 minutes at a time. You give some instruction, you let the kids interact, you let them do an activity and you walk around and you monitor them. And in in this situation, what's really, what I've really been aware of is like, I can't talk for 20 minutes straight. I, that, for, you know, kids are going to be lost. They're going to, they're going to tune out. They're going to be hanging upside down, doing something, you know, I don't know how they're doing at home. So it's, it's breaking that up, checking in with them, like you said, so that they're not losing that interest, but it's really easy to do, especially in this situation. Yeah, they're at home. Mm-hmm. They got that home court advantage. There's a million and two things that they can get distracted at at home, whereas maybe there's like a dozen or so in school, in a classroom, on your home turf. When they're at home, it's like any little thing will draw their attention and good luck bringing them back in. Right. And- <laughs> that's why I'm. That's why I feel like it's really important to start every day letting them know how incredible it is that they're there. That that you got up this morning Half the and, battle. and you you are here and you're in front of your you've you've checked in and we're gonna learn try and learn some things today and then we're gonna check out with each other and make sure that everybody's having a good day. And and one of my colleagues said and and it is true, the new way that kids say they love you is they'll say goodbye, have a nice day. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. It's really nice. They'll turn on the mic and say, have a, have a good day, Miss Ugarte, because I say that to them all the time. I, I greet each one of them, good morning, by name, as I see them populating the class. And then as they leave, they do the same thing by saying goodbye, have a nice day, thank you. I mean, that's the new kind, and it's and, it, and you feel good because you're like, okay, they're- They're, they're engaged. This, yeah, they're engaged and they're super sweet. And at least for that minute, you know, that we had that little interaction, it was hopefully something positive for I'm them. I'm gonna keep an eye out for that when I'm at home. <laughs> And I'll be like, hey, did you say did you say bye to your teacher? Did you thank her for her duties today? Come on, guy. Um, you used to be the organizing chair for the teachers union. I still am. <laughs> what is that role about? So organizing chair, I've been involved in organizing for about 20 years um, as just a member of the organizing team. I know one of the first things I did 20 years ago was um, we got some shirts that had sad faces. We were in a contract negotiation. It wasn't going well. And so for membership, we got these shirts. Um, I had them ordered and, and passed them out to people and, and got people unified that way. Had people coming down to the district at a rally probably about 11 years ago. And during a break, during a fall break, they came Came down because that it was that important to them, and so um, a, a couple of years ago, I was asked to to be the chair, and kind of building it back from the ground up, because we had gone a couple of years without needing any organization. We weren't really there wasn't really anybody to go up against. We had come out of fighting a long battle of corruption and and kind of settled, and so it seems um, to be a common theme in the South Bay and the yeah. school districts. Yeah, it, it it it's a that history repeating itself, right? Yeah. If you don't learn from the history, you're gonna you're gonna repeat it. And so, a couple of years ago, I was asked to do that and um, started working small, getting getting smaller groups of people involved and getting more and more people involved. And as more and more people are affected, right, they're more and more interested in what you're doing. And so, we have. Um, we started by, you know, going to board meetings, speaking at board meetings um, about the issues that affected teachers. Uh, in March, it was kind of our big culmination. We had um, RIFs, um, Reduction in Force, which are essentially pink slips for teachers. Oh. We knew they were coming. I had been trying to prepare the membership for it since July because having been involved so long with these types of activities, I could see where it was going to go. And and my whole thing is, why are you going to put people through a trauma like that when you don't have to, right? You, why lay off all these people when you know you're going to, kids aren't going to go anywhere. You're going to need these teachers. You're going to need them back in the fall. So in March, that was the the board meeting where they were voting to uh, riff the teachers to actually go forward and uh, allow for pink slips within a certain time period, and um, got about 600, 700 teachers to show up to Chula Vista Middle. I dressed as a lifeguard. Our, <laughs> our theme was uh, drowning in debt and no plan yet. So I was the lifeguard and I changed lifeguard to lie guard. I took the F out because the district had been lying to us. Um, passed out water bottles. Um, we had put stickers on water bottles with kids drowning, you know, just the hands out of the water with slogans. Symbolic. Right. You guys went straight <laughs> gut punching on put them. It, <laughs> put it actually on the dace, um, you know, gave every person a water bottle. And, um, and before the board meeting started, of course, they were gone, but also handed them out as we went in. And um, it got a lot of attention. Um, the meeting before that was pretty good. It was a, a big meeting. But this one, because so many people were affected and so many people uh, care about their colleagues, they were there and in support. Um, it was a little 
unnerving to me at first because normally you have three minutes to speak and you prepare for three minutes um, and they cut us down to one because oh. so many people were going to speak. I think they had like 70 some speakers um, that, that wanted to talk about, you know, why are, why are you doing this? So all like 10% of the teachers that showed up wanted their, their minute right. to, to get things off their chest. Right. And, and it definitely, um, it definitely made people, it made the board notice, um, and it wasn't a unanimous vote. Um, so that was good, but, um, it still, it passed. And then, you know, the reverberation of that, um, people going and actually getting their pink slip at the end of May, going through the unemployment uh. process, some of them coming back on temporary contracts and, and not knowing whether they're going to have a job after a particular date. Um, it's all very traumatizing and, when you don't, as a board member, think about how that impacts people, right? These are people, then you, and you want other people to give you kudos for bringing back the teachers. You're like, oh, but we brought back all these teachers. Like, but you did this damage yeah. to them and they're human beings and they have families and, and it's, it's not okay to do that. There's other ways to, there's other cuts that could have been made. So Ms. Ugarte on one side leading the charge. Right. Going to now... Ms. Ugarte on the other side, weathering the storm of the charge. How are you going to handle that transition? Well, and like I said, I've been in situations where I've had negativity. I'm, I'm a really good listener. I, I listen a lot. That's why I don't talk so much. And that's been one of the things in the campaign that's been really difficult for me is to talk about what I do because I'm so used to just doing the work. Just do the work. You don't need to talk about it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Right. Be about it. Right. And so then what happened is I, I saw the need in, in Chula Vista where the teachers were being dismissed. Their, their voice was not being heard. And my feeling is if you take care of the teachers, you're taking care of the kids because those are the people. It's a trickle who, down effect. Right. Those are the people who you entrust your kids to every day. Yep. So they should be taken care of and they should be listened to because they are on the front lines. The education is happening between the teacher, um, the teacher's aide and the students. And when those teachers are coming to you as a board and saying, we don't want this to happen. And then you dismiss their voice and then try to explain away why you're making the decision that you're making. Um, it just really, like I was, I was like, no, we can't have this. The, the, the justice in me that I've had forever, just I was like, no, we can't do this. I need to, we need to do something about it. And I knew that there was going to be that opening in that seat that, um, and it was, it was an opportunity for me to, I kind of, I that say, was your breaking point, right? I was like, I need to, I need to do something about this. And the best way to do it is from the inside. That's the only way to break things up. There's only so much you can do from the outside. When you're on the inside, that's where you can really legitimately cut to the core. Right. So that's the reason you're jumping in and taking over seat number two. That's the reason I'm going to be in seat number two yeah. come, come December um, after our November election, because I feel like that I f definitely that teacher voices, staff voices need to be heard. Um, but that represents student that to, for me, that represents student voices. And it was actually a group of teenage activists that I had been working with at that rally that I was talking about. They saw the rally. They heard me speak. They called me up and said, hey. 
how do we do things? Um, they wanted to support the teachers because, you know, kids in South Bay are super smart. They're super aware. They're, act, they're little they're super activists. Involved from yes. <laughs> yes, they are. And so they're like, you know, and, and all they needed from me, really, they didn't even need me to tell them anything other than to say, your plan is awesome because it was. This is what we're looking at doing. This is how we're going to do it. And they said, you know what? You could, that, that it's an excellent idea that you run for the Chula Vista board. And, and so when young people, like that's my soft spot, right? When young people say, do this, then I'm like, okay, it, it's the right move. So, Well, you, just, the simple fact that you've been a teacher at Benita Vista Middle with longevity over 20 years, I feel like that in itself makes you a leader in this industry being, having that longevity. Right. You know, I know the answer on why now. What makes you the best candidate? But what could you tell people out there who are going to be looking at this ballot and looking at your name? What would make you the best candidate for the seat number two? Uh, I tell people it's not just that I show up. I do the work. And um, if I say something, if I say that I'm going to do something, I actually do it. I, I really am, am strong on integrity. If you say you're going to do something, then do it. One of the things I say at our board members when I'm challenging the Sweetwater board is just because you say it doesn't make it true. Because if you don't do something about what you're saying you're going to do, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, It's just hot air. So who supports you locally? Who's got your back? I know one main person that's got your <laughs> back because I walk by her house every day on my way home. So I have in, I've been endorsed by, of course, um, Mayor Mary Casillas-Salas. Shout out to Mayor Mary. Um, I've also been endorsed by the uh, board, Chula Vista Board Vice President, Dr. Eduardo Reyes. I've been endorsed by Nora Vargas and uh, Roberto Alcantar. I've been endorsed by a number of agencies, the Chula Vista Educators, the teachers in the district, Sweetwater Education Association, the teachers in the district that I work for, um, the Labor Council, uh, the Chula Vista Dems, uh, to, excuse me, the, the South Bay Young Democrats, I, I didn't mean to say Chula Vista Dems, and the um, very Latina Democratic Club, various clubs, IB Democratic Club, All the heavy hitters East, in the South East Lake Day. Bonita Yo. Democratic Club. So numerous clubs and I and, and so many and I don't want to miss any, but um but yes, I've I've been working hard um talking to those groups, um, asking for their support and they've been I I'm really honored and humbled because I feel like being so new and to earn those endorsements has has really made me uh, it's it's kind of humbled me. I'm like, wow, wow. So I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Um, I feel like I'm on the right path. Um, it's just a matter now of getting people to vote. That's always a tricky thing. The older I've gotten, the more um, I don't want to say responsible because I have I've been voting since I'm 18. But I feel there's more on the line now. You know, I. I there's more responsibilities on my shoulders, so I feel like I need to vote. And the current climate of events, socially, economically, leadership, and everything, it's like I, we do our best part here on the podcast with the people that we've had on lately. Like, hey, just get out there and vote. Make sure that's the talk about it, be about it. You can say, oh, I'm going to vote. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Just get up and go. Mail in your ballot. Just get it done. Yeah, interestingly enough, in 2016, I was in England when the Brexit vote happened, oh, nice. and I pretended to be uh, a reporter and just kind of did a little 
thing on my own phone and sent it to my kids. And, and I saw how people reacted, how there were tears and, and people were genuinely upset. And then felt like I was in the twilight zone when that happened in November of the same year. My old, I mean, all of my kids were, you know, upset and crying. A friend of mine told me, you know, his, his kids were crying. Oh my goodness, you know, what does this mean for our grandparents kind of thing? And, and now I feel like, yes, I was very um, upset and um, felt like things needed to be done there. But now I feel like there's an urgency that there's never been before in this, in this time. You know, it's not just the pandemic. It's, it's all of the things that are happening. We've had six months now in quote unquote quarantine, definitely during the pandemic. What have you learned? What is the biggest takeaway you've had, whether it's something for yourself, an interpersonal growth? Uh, your kids even like, I mean, this is a lot of time to be at home and spend with right. each other. <laughs> and, and honestly, you know, I think about that. I was thinking about that today as I was running and I, I have my growth curve is at like a 90 degree angle from the time I jumped into deciding to do this. Um, of course, checking with my family, but, but one thing that I realized, um, for my family in particular um, when I decided to do this, I first checked with my four kids, right? As a single mom, they're my, they're my base. And, and they keep me in check. Like, if ever I have some kind of view or question about a certain policy or what's happening, you know, they're like, no, mom. You know, they're the social media experts. They, they're, they're all young. So they, Don't do they this. Took, Don't do yeah, that. No, Don't mom. click this. Don't the reason that's yeah. happening yeah. is this. So, um, so one thing I think that has been good, I'm, I'm actually naturally introverted. Caesar would probably tell you differently. But for me, it, it, it's been that challenge to get out there and do things. And like I said, speak about myself and what the work that I've been doing. But when each one of my kids in a private moment, all four of them, said to me, Mom, I'm proud of you. I'm proud Aww. of what you're doing. I, I, that for me was like, the, the, the pinnacle, right? I'm like, okay, so no matter what happens, and I am going to win, right? But no matter what happens, I have that. Because they were the kids that were strapped to me, uh, you know, a baby in, in a baby bouncer, a baby in a stroller, two kids with me, behind me, going to all of these protests, going to all of these rallies. Um, they say they still remember attending board meetings and doing their homework in these meetings. So for them to tell me that, and my, my youngest son will be 21, and he came home and said it to me last week, I was just like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud because I see the maturity, right? What 20 year old tells his mom, hey mom, I'm proud of you. Um, but I mean, maybe, maybe it's more than, than I know of, but, but for me, that was, that was the greatest moment so far. And, and like I said, the learning curve has been incredible. I'm learning all the time and I'm, I'm listening all the time. Um, and that's what I think my job will be as a board member, to listen to people and to make them feel like they're heard and also to let them know that even if I can't give them what they want, because I'm a realist, I know we can't make everybody happy, um, that, that they've been heard and that somebody cares about the things that they care about. Final thought. Election is coming up. What's the last message you want to convey to all these potential voters? Wow, that's a great question. I, I think that <clears throat> I would like to convey to, to people, to the voters, that if you're voting for me, you can be sure that the decision-making on my part will always be about what's best for the kids. 
It's not going to be about what's best for the adults. It's not going to be what benefits the superintendent or the district office. It's going to be how does this impact the kids? My decision making always comes from that. How does this benefit kids? And how do we make sure that kids are taken care of on the daily basis? And like I said, going back to that, it's, it's making sure that the teachers and the the staff in the schools that have that contact with them every day are taken care of. Because if they're taken care of, then they're going to do a better job of, of taking care of our kids. Miss Lucy Ugarte, it was awesome to get to know you and to meet you today. Thank you for your time. And thank you for showing up and letting us all know why you're going to win and why we should vote for you. Thank you. This was exciting. My very first podcast. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. I'll be posting this one up again. And any questions or a- any uh, thoughts that you may also have, feel free to give us a call. 619-728-9300. That is the best way to leave us a message and we'll answer your questions on the next episode. Thank you very much. That is a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Emo Brown. Pay our website a visit, emobrown.com. That's where you can find access to all of our episodes, information on how to join the Patreon, Emo Brown, the social club, as well as pick up all of our merch, hats, shirt, patches, masks, todo el pelo. As always, our episodes are brought to you by the wonderful people at the Miso Healthy Company award-winning true full-spectrum cbd grown in california and sold worldwide lolita's mexican food patience is the essence of fine mexican food located all throughout the san diego county specifically near dear home chula vista balboa avenue dispensary for all your medicinal or recreational cannabis needs follow them the balboa avenue dispensary thank you very much if you ever want to reach us leave us a message ask a question share a thought or just say hello give us a call 619-728-9300 thank you very much talk to you soon